Let's get sweaty. Hello and welcome to the Shenmue Dojo Show. This is going to be a recap of Shenmue the Anime Season 1, Episode 2, Daybreak. And from the show until the end of the anime, we're actually going to drop the season episode counting for our own show, since it's already causing a little bit of confusion. (laughs) So if for some reason you aren't aware what you're listening to right now, this is Shenmue Dojo Show Season 2, Episode 3. But yeah, we're going to drop that to avoid confusion, because we're always going to be like one episode ahead and one season ahead. So, But anyway, like always, I'm joined by Mr. VLC Automated Screenshotter, Matthew Oliver. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> anyone, How's it going, man? Yeah, I'm good. If been, anyone's been in our Google Drive, you'll see probably about 3,000 shots of two episodes. I just leave it, and it's great. Uh, yeah, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm all right. Thanks, man. Good. Buzzing off what we've just seen. So we just come again. I don't want to say there's every episode, but we just come straight out of a stream. Our watch-along streams that we're doing every, what day is it, Sunday? Every Sunday, 8 o'clock. Every Sunday. Have to think about what the date was there. But yeah, every Sunday, 8 o'clock, we're watching each episode. So next time, you he- if you hear this and it's not Sunday yet, join us on Sunday and we're going to be doing episode 3 of the anime. But anyways, as well as Matt, <laughs> I'm joined by... Etsy powerhouse tips life. <laughs> Hello. I like that description too. That's great. <laughs> no worries. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us on again. All good, all good. Can we just have a, a count of how many times you watched this particular episode? Oh, it's really disappointing this week. I've only managed to watch it twice. Twice. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> I know. <It's> shameful. <laughs> shameful. I suppose we're to talk, man. We've only watched it once. <laughs> yeah, true, Ooh. true. So far. So, Matt, if you could, please, could we have a recap of episode one? Yes. Before we move into episode two discussion. You can have a recap, and I will try and keep this incredibly brief, um, because we want to sort of talk about two in more depth. Another hour and 20 minute recap. (laughs) So, um, as last week, obviously, episode one aired to great fanfare. Um, Sort of the long and short of it is we got some background story of a while with Yagamashi-san in the dojo with Ryo. Ryo's gone off to karate tournament. We saw that for the first time. While that was all going on, we got our first look at Bailu Village and Shenhua, which was top-notch, stunning, loved it. Uh, Ryo goes on, wins his karate tournament, heads on home while beating up some uh, people, is it Eniki and his friend uh, in the park, saving Izomi, witnesses the death of his father a while at the hands of Landy. And thus the saga begins, where he starts hunting down any clues for his father's killer. And we end up at the end of the episode in the dojo with him fighting off Chai and getting the letter to Yuanda Zhu. And that's pretty much where episode two picks up. Mm. It's a shame that uh, letter arrived a little bit too late, eh? Bloody post. Bloody postman. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that, by the way, Matt. So moving into episode two today synopsis just right off the bat here we've got hazuki family's maid ine-san hands a letter to ryo who was restless from his father's death the letter was sent from a person named yuanda zu to his father which contained characters he cannot read 
Brio begins investigating the letter to find out his father's past. As he further investigates, he is targeted by Mad Angels, the gang that runs Yokosuka Harbour's underground business. So there's your synopsis. So, guys, we'll go to Titch first. What are your initial thoughts of episode two as a whole? Oh, amazing, as always. Well, again, that's my Shemu bias all over again. <laughs> yeah, it felt a lot more fast-paced and a lot more happened than the first one. But I suppose in the first one, they're just sort of setting the scene. Whereas this one felt more sort of anime, action and excitement. But yeah, in short, I really enjoyed it. Good stuff, good stuff, Matt. I absolutely loved it. Um, we'll obviously talk about the, in- the ins and outs in a bit, but some of the early scenes in particular were were absolutely spot on. I didn't think they could beat the bar of the first episode, and they've absolutely cleared it by a mile. It's it's better than the first episode. I think Titch is right. I think it's faster paced in terms of the story delivery. I think it needed to be. You set the scene in the first episode, but I think now you've got to get people hooked with the story, and um, certainly new people anyway. And I think. I think this episode would, in my view, successful in doing that. It's, um, yeah, stunningly good episode. Go and watch it if you haven't already. Quality stuff, yeah. I agree with you guys. I mean, I felt like the actual structure of the scenes was slower paced, but they did, you know, they crammed a lot more in mm. in this particular episode. And it honestly, it was like, I was shocked when we got to the end of the episode. And I was like, oh my God, is it? it's been 23 minutes already because it was like so fast. It was like... It was incredible how they pieced it all together and I'm looking forward to diving in in a moment to break down each of the scenes and get a bit more in-depth. Okay, I'll start with the opening scene then. So we got, as soon as the episode started, this dream sequence from Rio's perspective here. And it was a little bit fooling at first because you didn't realise it was actually a dream. And we can talk a little bit about this in a moment. But So it shows back in the Hazuki Dojo, it's, it's reliving that, Landy defeating a wow sort of scene that we saw in the first episode, but this time it's got slightly different dialogue. It's happening as Rio's holding a wow in his arms. So Rio actually asks Landy why he killed his father, and Landy asks Rio that that was from that that line from the trailer, wasn't it, Matt? The what does what? he really know about his father? Yeah. So he's kind of he's warning Rio that if he pursues the same path, he's going to end up with the same sort of fate. And Rio's angered by this remark. He makes a run at Landy, gets thrown back with a blow to the chest. By Landy, so you could question whether this actually happened, because after this cutscene, it cuts to Rio's bedroom. He's kind of sweating. Um, he's touching his plaster again. So it, it it's 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 saying that it's a dream, but is it very specific what happens in this dream that you could interpret that that this is something that's actually happened and he's reliving that in his head, or do we think he's made this up in his head and this didn't happen? Oh, I mean, I. I'm I'm of the opinion it happened and he's reliving those moments in dream form. But I think they've deliberately left that open to interpretation, which is it's quite clever writing because obviously it's got everybody talking about it and we are. I like they've done this. I like they've given Landy a bit more character and he turns around to Rio and says, what well, do you know about your father's past? And sort of puts a bit of doubt into Rio's mind as to actually did did a while deserve it which I know Rio doesn't think that, but it's a discussion point for us. But I think it just it adds more to his motivations. It adds more to the reason that he's going to go after Landy and wants to know more about his father. I think it just, whether it's a dream or not, I just think it's an added layer to the story, which in the games, obviously the dream sequence is slightly different. You just see Landy just beat up his father. You don't get a lot else. But here it sort of fleshes out those little little details a bit more. 
So I'm I'm a fan of it. And in the, in the game, it's like pure pure revenge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Whereas in the anime, they are throwing this sort of twist in terms of like Rio questioning his father. Like in the games, I don't believe he ever really questions his father's past. He's, he, he obviously he wants to find out about his father's past, but he never he never has sort of these sort of lines where he's like, you know, "What's my father done?" or at least he doesn't believe in that side of the story yeah i think in the games he talks to fukusan about it and he's like, i can't believe my father killed somebody i think he says to you yeah. quite angrily and showed me too um father would never kill but yeah, that's exactly. about as far as you go in in the game so to see it here in more more detail is is quite it just, like I said, as to his motivations and one little easter egg i got there that rio was asleep in his jeans and t-shirt from the, mm. so yeah, it's clearly, like when he goes to sleep <laughs> clearly he just just sleeps in jeans and t-shirt and i hope to god that he changes them because they're gonna stink oh, oh. <laughs> fair play to him though if he ever gets attacked in the night he just pounces up he's he's ready isn't he? <laughs> it's not like me yes. i just get up with my boxer shorts and i'll be scrambling around for my bloody phone switch the lamp on or something <laughs> you know he's, he's ready and raring to attack which is uh, fun yeah. <laughs> but then after that scene we see the the title sequence. So this is actually what was the end credits of episode one. You know, as mentioned last time, they've they've banged this at the front of this particular episode. This is the opening credits or the opening title scene moving forward, which is nice to see. So that means that we get an, a new ending credits that we're going to talk about a little bit later. So we cut back to Guilin and Shenhua is walking along a path. And it shows the little animal beside her again. See, I got confused from the first episode whether it was a goat or a lamb. Or whatever it is, mm. it's really cute. <laughs> so it, it's sweet how it's sort of following her side by side. And whilst that's happening, the Shenhua theme is playing in the background. And again, it flashes a shot over to the bell tower with the village. So it's sort of showing the prominence of that bell tower again. So as it goes on, she, Shenhua passes by some familiar faces from Shenmue 3. So that was a nice surprise. Yeah. <laughs> to see, you know, we're going straight in there with Shenmue uh, 3 stuff. And that also includes her uh, besotted male friend, um, which you come across in Shenmue 3. There's a bit of backstory there, but it's not quite gone into it quite yet in this episode, but I'll be keen to see how that sort of progresses. And he's stood by the well in the village centre, which is a prominent feature of the uh, Bailu village in Shenmue 3. So she makes it over to Grandma, yeah? and exchanged medicine that she's got with her for rice wine, which I assume is for her father. And yet is surrounded by children of the village, and she's telling them of the prophecy that Shenhua has recited. And we've heard it twice so far in the anime in episode one. So they sort of started the first episode with that prophecy, and they also ended the episode with the prophecy. So we're hearing it again in this episode. So they're really sort of ramming that one home. And then sort of midway through the prophecy being told to the children, Shenhua tells them that it's an old poem and that she actually heard that herself when she was young. And then whilst Grandma Ye is still going on through the prophecy, a, a child actually stops Shenhua in the middle of it and asks who he is that Grandma Ye is referring to in the prophecy. So it's, it's going to appear across from the land across the sea and the child's actually asking, you know, who, who's he? Who's that? And it sort of stops there because Shenhua's probably pondering the same thing. But then it sort of made me wonder, does she already know? Has she already got sort of a premonition of who that might be? Possibly, mm. yeah. It yeah. could be 
pointing to that, couldn't it, really? Yeah, and then straight after that, it cuts back to the Hazuki residence. Mm. So we were saying, Matt, that we, we really appreciate these scenes. These are amazing. This this just adds to the lore of the third game, really, doesn't it, really? Because you're seeing stuff that's happening that never didn't happen in Shemu 3 at this point anyway, and it, you know, it doesn't happen when you're playing Shemu 1. So for them to insert this scene in the anime, it's... It's it's nice to get to see that Bailu village that we've seen from Shenmue 3 and, and get a brand new scene out of it at the same time and giving a bit of depth to Shenfua's character before we even, you know, meet her in the you know, further down the line. Yeah, and I think it shows a respect for the Shenmue 3 game and the source material that is there. I mean, I know Shenmue 3 is a topic in itself and we, we're not gonna go into it here in terms of the story that was there, but I think it shows a great respect for what is there and I think Shenmue 3 as things have gone on I think it's got more respect than it previously had upon release but that's just you know we'll, we'll leave that as it is I mean the people she passes in the village it's Mr. Sue who's obviously the big Tai Chi sort of master who trains the kids um, he gives her a good good little wave and then the other guy is Ming Yang Li who sort of mm. has the, the hots for Shenhua but doesn't sort of ever act upon it he sort of chickens out a little bit and then I noticed actually it's called it's Grandma yeah in the in the in the anime but obviously it's elder year in the game so there's a slight change there i mean it's not it's mm. by the bias to how much of a change is that, that is. not just because she's talking to children and maybe the children are just referring to as maybe grandma, maybe i mean it makes no real difference in terms of what actually happens and actually um her character design is is pretty much spot on with with shenmue 3 and and the um the original concept artwork that came out again it just it just shows i think a respect for the source material and seeing these scenes in Baidu Village, I actually absolutely adore them because we're getting more Shenhua, we're getting more of her background, which you know, I've said this in the last episode, we don't see her properly for nearly two games. And then she's involved in Shenmue 3 quite a lot, but it takes two games to get anywhere near her. So having these flashbacks into Baidu Village while things are going on in Japan, I just, I like that layer, it adds some character to her. It gives a bit of con- um, context to Bailu Village and essentially where we're going to end up. So I- I'm I'm all for this sort of stuff. I also like that for for the new viewers to the anime series. Obviously, they may not have played the games yet. They're going to be seeing Bailu Village. You know that it took like over twenty years for us to actually see this this little village and the the scene Shenfor's interactions with these characters that you know you don't see until Shenmue Three, which I think is a really cool idea for the anime it's a really nice concept and people that then go on to play the games i mean i don't know we still don't really know how far this anime is going to go if it gets all the way to the end of shemu 2 then that means that you know you could introduce new players to just specifically shemu 3 and they can jump straight into shemu 3 story and then they're going to have that context from these characters that we're seeing in these meanwhile in bailu village sort of scenes that we're getting in the anime which Again, it's, it's just a really nice concept and I'm really appreciative that they're adding these little bits in to aid with Shenmue 3's law same sort of time. So, Matt, do you want to move on to the Hazuki residence? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we cut from Bailu Village to the Hazuki residence and Ryo's got the letter from Yuandazu while stood at his desk. And there's some nice Easter eggs here. You've got um, the capsule toys, you've got Tails is one of them, the bins being thing from Space Harrier. And you've got a 16 ton yep. thing. I think it's from Fantasy Zone, if my memory serves me correctly. Yeah. Um, so you've got those capsule toys there and an open capsule as well. You've got the boom box on, on the desk, which is great because I'm clearly Rio's won that from the raffle. Good, good man. <laughs> and then you've yep. got the cassette tapes as well. So there's like a 
bunch of Easter eggs. And actually, if you go through the episode, there's lots more Easter eggs, which we'll, we'll touch on as we go. And I bet we've missed some as oh, well. Yeah, of course we have. There's, there's loads kicking around. And then it flashes back to a cut scene in the dojo where Rio's asking Ina san if she knows who the letter is from. She says she doesn't know. And that it's reiterated Rio wants to go and seek out whoever this is, Yuanda Zhu, to, to seek out his father's past. So again, this is like another scene that they could have sort of tagged on to episode one if they wanted to. But I think it's more effective here. And having that little flashback gives it some context. And then it sort of gives Rio a motivation to go for it. And it cuts back to Rio at his desk. And he goes, right, I'm going to start the day. First order of business is to find out uh, who Yuanda Zhu is and to get this letter translated in order to track him down. Nice, nice. Uh, like you say, just a, a minor, minor scene there just to get the ball rolling. Yeah. So that makes its way to Dobuita Street then. So we're getting montage shots of Rio walking around. We're getting that sort of investigation element that we all know and love from the, the game, where Rio's actually asking the residents about the letter, and they're all shaking their heads in unfamiliarity of what the letter could be. You know, obviously it's in Chinese, and especially this reversed kanji thing that we're going to find out about a little bit later. Perhaps not in this episode, though. <laughs> but yeah, so Rio's seen outside a bookshop trying to translate the letter to no luck and then he, he sets off back down the street pondering himself and ends up bumping into Nozomi again. It's nice that we're getting a few more scenes with Nozomi in the anime threshing out her story with Ryo, her sort of character interactions with Ryo. It's it's always nice to see and they, they're kind of given quite a lot more emphasis I, I think feel like on Nozomi's character. I think you said in the stream match she's comes from sort of a bit timid in, in the original game but in the anime She's very open. She's very forward. Yeah, she's definitely got a bit more spunk. Yeah. <laughs> spunk to her character. Yeah, I think she's a lot more, a lot more bubbly and forceful with Rio, actually, in a in a nice way. Um, yeah. And likewise, Rio's not quite as cold with her in the games. He's you know, he's pretty pretty cold. He's he's not particularly interested in anything she has to say. Whereas at least here, he's you know she calls him out on not being very good about asking for help, and he sort of. He takes a step back and smiles at her for it. Again, it's a a nice touch to Rio that we didn't really get. I know he, he smiles at little bits and pieces in the games, but generally he just ignores her. Though, yeah, he? he does. He just ignores her, and that's the end of it. Whereas at least here, he's he's got a bit more of a interaction with her. There's a there's a relationship with the two of them. It's sort of as Titch was saying in in the previous episode. They're sort of building this budding romance, which we clearly mm. know is not going to go anywhere, but. Hey ho! Unless it does in the anime, I don't know. Wow. You, don't know if you never know. It's going to get a little bit more. So Nozomi asks Rio why he has a long face, and he acts a little bit cagey about the, the letter around her. He just kind of doesn't want her to to get involved, I suppose. But she does offer to help despite not knowing the details. And I think she says Rio is never good at like talking to people. So if she's tags along, she can help out with uh, asking some of the the shopkeepers and stuff for help. So, yeah, I mean, how are you finding Nozomi and Rio's relationship so far, Titch? I love it. <laughs> I totally love it. Yeah, because I've always, I've always been invested in the story of the game more than anything else. So I just love how the anime is padding out all the lore and all the little interactions. And it is really nice to see that, you know, Rio's not being as harsh with Nozomi in the anime that he is, like he is in the games. But I think the the flip side and sort of the downside to all this is in the back of our minds knowing you know the outcome that <laughs> she obviously spoiler alert <laughs> eventually ends up ends up going to Canada and you both go the separate ways so 
yeah, it's mm. quite difficult in a way watching this all sort of blossom, knowing that it's not all going to end totally well. But you never know. We've only got up to Shenmue 3. So hopefully beyond Shenmue 3, we might actually see her again. Oh, I'm holding out hope for that because they must be padding out the relationship for a reason. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. They, they do seem like, especially in the anime, anyway, they're padding it out. Um, whether they just want that heartfelt emotional moment when she says to Rio, I'm, I'm leaving kind of thing, and Rio's already set on his journey, he's going out, you know, so they sort of like that split. Maybe they want that to be a bit more impactful in the anime, but yeah, it's a possibility that perhaps if the anime goes further past Shenmue 3 even, they could end up planning out this sort of getting Nozomi back in somehow, I don't know, <laughs> just throwing it out there. <laughs> we can only dream. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't. I don't know who. Who thinking romantically now? Is Nozomi number one, or because there's that kind of romance building between Shenhua? That obviously, if you you're coming from the anime, this is a bit spoilery, I suppose, for the future. But I probably should have said spoilers up front anyway. We're going to cover bits and pieces throughout the game. But is Nozomi top of the Rio's list at the moment? You'd have thought so, but I mean, going into the games and Shenmue three and beyond, I, I mean. Who, who knows? They, they've teased romance, haven't they, for Ryo and Shenhua? I know Yu Suzuki talked about there being a theme of romance somewhere in, in the Shenmue lore. So I, I don't know how far they'll take that. I mean, it seems quite obvious that Ryo and Shenhua might go down that road. Um, yeah. But I think sort of our hearts are saying Ryo needs to go back to Nozomi. <laughs> I don't know if he will or not. I mean, she's in Canada for a start, so that makes things a bit, bit, <laughs> bit difficult. But True. Um, I, I've... It's going to be fun to see, I yeah. think, how they build these relationships, because obviously we're going to get some, possibly with Fang Mei, Joy, Shuing. I, you know, I, I don't know, but it seems like a lot of women have the hearts for Rio, so it's going to be interesting to see how they take that in the anime adaptation when we get get to those points further down the line. Well, you can certainly talk to women better in this than you can in the game, that's for sure. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you cut to this cut to a warehouse, which I presume is at the harbour. Uh, you see Chai crouched down um, with a load of pallets, with menacing eyes in the shadows, and he's, he's bitter that Rio beat him up, and he's pondering the second mirror in order to impress Landy. So just a very short scene, but it's a reminder, I think, that, that Chai hasn't gone anywhere, and... I mean, it's pretty obvious he's going to appear in later episodes in some capacity. It's just how I think at this point. And he does sort of pop up here and there again as we go through this episode. But it's just like a, a little reminder to people that he hasn't gone away just yet. It's always lurking in the shadows, yeah. creeping. He's, he seems to be in the right place to me at the right time, just overhearing conversations <laughs> and stuff. So that moves us into the next scene, Titch, if you want to go for that. Sure. So we are back in Sakuragalka Park and... We see Ryo passing Yamagishi-san, who's sat reading on the little bench. And they start talking about Iwal, and Yamagishi-san sort of says something quite sweet. He asks Ryo, you know, when the time's right, I'd like to come back to the Hazuki Dojo and you know, put some incense sticks down in Iwal's honour. So I thought that was quite a sweet little moment. And then Yamagishi-san sort of gets his book and he says, right, I'm, I'm off. But Ryo stops him and... He's sort of curious because the fact that he wants to leave these incense sticks implies, you know, there's a bit there's a bit more to the relationship with him and Iwal. And so he starts probing Yamagishi-san for details about his father's past. And then Ryo pulls out Yuanda letter to show Yamagishi-san. 
But there's a look in Yamagishi-san's eye that sort of implies he's suspicious about mm. what Ryo's up to. And then it shows Ryo's eyes really closely that he's sort of in pursuit of something. And so Yamagishi-san sort of stops for a moment and he warns Ryo that all this, the stuff that's happened to his father is solely a matter for the police. And that implies that Ryo's, you know, too young to handle this and he's acting a bit too rash. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, this scene? Because it seems, I was thinking at the time, like, has is, is Ryo seen something in Yamagishi-san's eyes where he's like, you know something? Or is Yamagishi-san seen something in Ryo's eyes that he's like, I'm not telling you what I know, just, you know, you've, you, you can see Rio's determined for revenge or something like that. Do you know what I mean? He, 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 it seems like Rio's one-track mind, and you know, Yamagishi Sans, he's, he's he's only going to talk to someone that's you know that sort of mind as a polished mirror kind of thing, where it's like I'm not dealing with you. You know, if there's something about Rio, he doesn't like at this moment. Yeah, I think it works both ways. Actually, I think Rio's twigged that Yagamashi obviously knows more about his father than he's letting on and likewise Yagamashi sees sees Rio's eyes and I think he can see beyond the willing you know the want to dig around for his father's past I think he can actually see the lust for revenge now revenge in this isn't explicitly mentioned as hard as it is in the games but it's always an undercurrent and I get the feeling they're sort of bubbling this revenge bit so as Rio sort of gets more lost in what's going on it becomes more about the revenge and not just his father's past. And I think Yagamishi's seeing that initial flame of revenge or flicker and he doesn't like it. And you can see why. You really can. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting, isn't it? And obviously the, the police are getting involved a bit more than the, in the games. Yeah. Apparently, apparently they, they now actually have a job to do. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an interesting point that they keep mentioning the police because... I remember from Shemu 1, if you try and call the police, um, Rio says something along the lines of that he doesn't want to get the police involved. Yeah, and that's like the only mention of the police, isn't it, in the game? Yeah, it's interesting that there's a lot of mention in the anime, but the only little bit of any police interaction is from when you try and call them in Shemu 1. Yeah, and you get a trophy for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, and I suppose you've always questioned it kind of thing, like, oh, that is like the obvious thing. Why don't they just ring the police? You know what I mean? <laughs> So the kind of like handling that in the anime in a way that it's like, you know, the police have been mentioned, you know, it's, mm. it's not a, a null point, is it? But after that scene, Rio's seen walking back down Dubita Street. He's working out his next steps and Nozomi's knocking around looking for someone who can read the letter for him. But then Rio decides to find out more about the people who illegally operate out of the harbour. So he ends up approaching Saijo-san in Bar Yukosuka. We get that nice familiar interior of the bar you know i was half expecting a little bit of a, a pool match to take place just seeing that it's nice to see the the you know side sand looks like the spitting images he does in the game so it's nice to see that attention to detail and uh, he's actually cleaning up before opening hours so rio's got there a little bit early and he directly asks side sand about where harbor workers hang out so it's kind of funny we're not getting that sailor line Cancel as such the kind of like yeah the kind of like honing <laughs> um... that out a little bit which is, it's you know, it works in yeah. a sense, doesn't it? It's like it's not trying to use that trope from the game against the anime. 
you know, it's the call them harbour workers, base workers, whatever. I think it's wise, very wise. Yeah. It was a meme for years around the first Shenmue game. It's a no-brainer to change that There's up. Some people I've seen going into the anime saying, like, where's my Sailor episode? Where's my Forklift episode? Yeah. And I think it's it's as wise that they don't really yeah, I, um, I agree. jump onto those jokes too much. No, I agree. It makes, makes sense. Just sort of park them, leave them where they were, and you know, we can remember them fondly, but it doesn't. it's not needed here at all. Yeah. So Saiju-san responds, it depends on who Ryo's actually looking for, what kind of person he's looking for. So Ryo's kind of confirms that he's looking for like illegal workers, you know, some sort of lead there. So Saiju-san tells him that they tend to hang out at Heartbeats Bar, local dive. It's kind of the same sort of lead you get from the, the actual main game. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Matt, take us into Heartbeats Bar, please. Now, this this is incredibly well done, actually. The first point I'm going to make right now is he walks down the dark alley, turns the corner, and on the left-hand side, you see the Project Berkeley graffiti, which is a nice little nod to the games mm-hmm. and, and the original project. So fair play for them doing that. Uh, he turns the corner and he's confronted by two stocky men. Uh, it's Tony and Smith, and... They are absolutely jacked. I want to know what gym they're going to. <laughs> it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger like, level, isn't it? Yeah, it, like seriously, like they've got their arms the size of my torso, and they tower, absolutely tower over Rio as well. And he swiftly takes he takes them out. Um, one of them goes for him first, and the other guy goes with the bottle, and Rio puts a knee straight into his stomach. Which again, if you do the QT in the games, that's the exact same move that Rio uses in the games. He just plants a knee into him, takes him down, and then sort of strolls on off and enters the bar. Very brutal, isn't it? The fighting scenes again. They are. They're really, really impactful. And they, they it's when the moves like hit their target, you feel that pain almost. I think it's the sound effect that kind of helps. It aids. Yeah, it's like, it and it's, you know, it's it's cool. It's There's actually not too many fight scenes in this particular episode, so... You know, this is like the meat, meat and potatoes in a sense. Mm. And and the music actually sets this scene quite nicely. Um, but the soundtrack across the whole whole episode is excellent anyway, so they need to release, release the soundtrack now, the sooner the better. But I digress. Um, then Rio enters the bar and he's in- instantly mocked by the bartender and the occupants uh, <laughs> due to being a schoolboy, and they suggest that he should be drinking milk. I like that nod that they, they suggest he should be drinking some milk. Uh, he then goes and asks about someone who knows about Chinese operations. And I know in the game he talks about Chinese ships, so it's not too different there. The bartender sort of plays dumb. They start, and um, the occupants go for Rio. The guy puts his um, hand on the shoulder. In the game, he calls him a t- TV detective. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. in here, it's like cops and robbers or something he refers to. Rio tells him to back off, and it kicks the fight off, where he launches that guy across the bar, kicks the other one through the table, and then launches the final guy after he's like throw, you know, hits, tried to hit him with a stool. He then kicks him over the bar. Again, pretty much one to one to the games in terms of the moves he uses, and also the, where the guys end up and the order they're attacking as well. So again, it's it's another small small attention to detail that I think we can appreciate as fans that they've looked at, and they could have easily just gone, oh, they're attacking random order or whatever. No, they've kept it kept it right and it shows again it shows respect for the source material so they've all been beaten up the bar's been destroyed and the bartender says well i'll tell you some information but you don't show your face here again same as games and then he divulges that um the guy he wants is called charlie yeah so we get the whole sort of charlie angle um in the, from the games which again it's a nice touch 
yeah, just without the leather jacket and sunglasses and stuff, we we directly know who this Charlie guy is, basically. Yeah, we know we know who he is from the start. So they've cut a little bit out, makes sense. I completely see the point. But you, you've got that angle pretty quickly. Yeah, they're cutting out like the game fluff, aren't they? Just to get to the point. Yeah. So Yeah. To be expected. So we cut to the next day and we're back in Dubuita Street and Rio is outside the knocking motorbike store. And he's asking the owner, Ono-san, about Charlie. And he actually gets some information from Ono-san. And he confirms to Rio that Charlie is an illicit broker. And he knows a lot of people in the underworld. And then shortly after that, we see Kurita-san. And he he passes Rio a note with a drawing on it. And I'm not quite sure what it is, but I'll be interested to you know look further into that and find out. Mm, okay. And then we cut over to what we know as Akiyama Heights from Shenmue 1. Yeah. And the door of the tattoo parlour. And it's even got the same poster as the game with the opening and closing time. So that's a cool little Easter that's egg. That's cool, is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the it's one. good. <laughs> yeah, so this is quite an interesting one, um, watching it compared to the game. So Ryo enters and leaves the tattoo parlour after you see the owner shaking his head. And then as Ryo's leaving, the owner picks up the phone and is clearly giving a tip off to someone, which I assume is Charlie, that Rio is looking for him. Yeah, and Charlie actually realises later, doesn't he, that or he says something like to Rio, like, I hear you've been hunting me down kind of thing. So that kind of, yeah, it does allude to he was tipped off by this tattoo guy. Yeah, totally. And it sort of gives that away in the next scene, which is mm-hmm. in the warehouse. Yeah. So we see Charlie talking to his henchman, and they're talking about Rio, so... Yeah, I think. Oh, there you go. Then, yeah, clear, yeah, <laughs> it's very clear from uh, from you know the last scene that he's been tipped off about Rio. So he's wondering who he is and why. Why would he have anything to do with Charlie? So I think they sort of they're joking around, saying you know, oh, someone else is pissed off with Charlie. So we're getting a bit more information that Charlie's not a particularly good guy. And also, Charlie mentions the Chens, which, if you're new to the anime and the series as a whole the name chen probably means nothing at this point but yeah charlie's suspicious that whoever these chens are they were the ones that had sent rio to them which is interesting as well because as far as i'm aware there's only two chens these like your master chen your guizan chen that you're going to learn about in episode three by the looks of it so for them to kind of be like seemingly like they're scared or afraid of the chens when it's like just two people i don't know unless they've got more not not like they're a gang or anything, but maybe they've got more people working under the Chen name kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, possibly. It, it's interesting that Charlie makes that assumption. Just, just I don't know what he has to base that on, other than it's just it could be them. Yeah, it's 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 a funny assumption, but they must have run-ins if they. Yeah, because we do. find out in the game that Charlie's involved in like the Long Jar kind of trading stuff, so. It's the Chens that are going against that sort of stuff. I will yeah. make a quick mention, obviously, that tattoo parlour scene, it seems new, and I guess it is a new scene with him picking up the telephone, but if you do head to, in the game that says, if you do head to the tattoo parlour on the same day you learn about, what you learn about, Matt, you learn about that the tattoo parlour is at Okiyama Heights or something. If you go straight there before it shuts, you do get a scene where he's like, doesn't know anything about it kind of thing and they you have to go back the, ne- the next day yeah that's right yeah that's right yeah so i don't know if they've they've gone for that scene or they've created a brand new scene I, i'm not i'm not 100 there but just thought it i'd mention like it. they've just they've sort of almost harked back to it yeah. and then just twisted it a little bit to, to fit thing. the story for what they're looking for which yeah it just it 
gets rid of some of that game fluff again, which is fine. So then that kind of leads to, we're getting a little bit deep into the Charlie sort of um, side story, you know. So back in Yokosuka, there's a young boy who's approaching Rio crying. So that's that's Galwen, isn't it, from the game? He's holding the football or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think he's holding the football here, but we see Charlie with it in a moment, I think, right? So he's saying that these are a group of men, took a soccer ball, there you go, <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're not going to return it unless the young boy brings Rio to them. So obviously he cares so much about the soccer boy He's gone off to try and find someone that can beat them up to get his ball back. Um, <laughs> the boy <laughs> confirms that it was Charlie that put him up to it. Okay. I should read ahead before I start making little comments. Um, so it cuts to the construction site. And we. it seemed like from that teaser trailer that it was going to be set in the harbour, this scene. But obviously mm. not. So this is kind of like, it could be that construction site that you know you, you, you come past as you, you got the gossip gaggle old women there by the, the payphone yeah. in Sakura. It could be could be like a bigger sort of construction site location or it could be a brand new area. But I, I was making the point actually when we've seen the scene live that I'm pretty sure based on what we've seen from like Switch over at Phantom of the Stone, he's, he's, he's digging out these shots of what they're showing to be Yokosuka and comparing it to like real life locations from, you know, the actual city. I bet you any money that wherever they are, I bet that is actually somewhere in Yokosuka, which is a, a nice little attention to detail in that sense as well. It wouldn't surprise me. It really wouldn't surprise me. You look at like the Buita Street, the tunnel, yeah. a few other bits and pieces. It's one-to-one, isn't it, with the real-life locations? He found, actually, the school and the he did the yeah. um, the martial arts tournament sort of area, and it, it's spot on. It, it's crazy. They must have had someone going and taking photos for him or something. So a man with glasses confirms that he's Charlie and asks Rio what he wants with him. So he still thinks he's part of the Chen gang and he, he accuses him of being part of Chen's crew. Then he sets his henchmen to attack Rio. Rio has that little fight thing, uh, beats them up one by one. I think this is where he does that big whirlwind thing that we've seen from the trailer. It's really cool how they've animated that. Things like three or four people flying, which is cool. And then he catches the soccer ball, returns it to the boy. So we don't get that where he, he kicks it into Charlie's face, which is a slight disappointment <laughs> in, my, in my opinion. But regardless, it's cool. So that young boy, that Gawen, whatever, he, he thanks Rio in Chinese. But I don't think they go any further on that, do they? In terms of no, the narrative no. of the letter, you know, like he does in the game. A, no, he says, she, she, doesn't yeah. he? And then that's his thank you, but... I do wonder if that gets picked up possibly next later in the next episode, maybe. Yeah, maybe remembers that scene. Maybe could have a little flashback of that. Mm, possibly. possibly. So the men get away, and in the background, Chai's been watching them that whole time. So again, he knows where to be at the right moment in time, lurking in the shadows. Creepy, any Standard Chai, really, mm. isn't it? It's better than being on a rooftop, I suppose. <laughs> Behind some boxes. <laughs> So we're outside your arcade, which is notice- noticeably bigger and looks slightly different in the anime to what we know in the game. And Ryo and Nozomi are talking to Wang, who is a member of the staff at the Aichichi restaurant. So they're asking him about the letter from Yandazu, but he says to Ryo that he can't read the letter because there's something wrong with the characters, which yeah. is an interesting point. So straight after that, Ryo starts walking Nozomi back to Ida Florist, which is where she works and also a think she lives there as well and Mm. she mentions to Rio about a university orientation and that she'd really like to go to the same uni as Rio in Yokohama but the scene alludes that Rio hasn't even 
thought about university much and it sort of shows Nozomi at the end pull like a face like that realization <laughs> that oh goodness he's, he's totally forgetting about his studies and how important they are and mm. you know she'd obviously really like to I wonder how far off they are like of the next term or whatever is it like a... it can't be that can't be that far I mean if this is assuming this is following game canon yeah. You're in December now, aren't you? And the, I mean, over here, the traditional academic year is what September to July. Mm. So he's probably got what four or five months if Possibly, it's following yeah. game game law. Unless it's different. Um, in I Japan. know there's there's common belief sort of floating around that actually the anime's following the original game scripts further or closer, which actually has the game starting in September. So it's just a point that. We not we're not quite sure on where this, where this is in sort of time frame. Not that it hugely matters. Well, it is. But... It's definitely November December though, isn't it? Because I think the first episode they actually had the date at the start, right? I think they did. I'm sure they had November, November pop up. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting. I'm sure that's been mentioned. It's following the, the game scripts more. I'm sure I read that somewhere. Anyway, we'll we'll sort of pass that bit. The funny thing I found with Wang turning up um, was he looked like he'd actually bought his own damn drink. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, he was already drinking, so, yeah, must have... uh... Must be using his wages for once. Well, yeah, or he's gone, oh, I'll look at the letter, but buy me a drink or something. And apparently, I'd, I'd have to check it again, but apparently it had Bell Woods written over the, the um, vending machines. Okay. I'd have to check that again to confirm it. But if that's the case, that's another quality oh. little Easter egg you've got there. Really good. Is it not Jack Kohler in the first game? And then Shemu 2 was Bell Woods. Isn't it Bell Woods, Jack Kohler? It's the, the same thing, is it? Thing. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I'm just thinking, like, in the second game, there's, like, the green vending machine and that actually says Balwood's on. Yeah, there is. And then you've got, like, the red ones are dotted around as well, aren't mm. they? But it's a nice touch anyway. If it, if it is the exact thing, you know, they've used the same wording, etc. It's quite quite a nice little nod. So straight after that, we're back at Sakuragalka Park, which seems to be quite a focal point in the anime, which is interesting. So Ryo's still looking at this letter and he's passing by the park. But straight from there, we jump into a cutscene, which is a flashback of... Rio when he's younger and he's reading a manga comic book and interestingly it's a shonen comic so in case you're unaware that's like a, a type of manga that they read in Japan which is sort of focused towards teenage boys mm-hmm. so it's sort of age appropriate for Rio and Rio sat in his room and then Iwell comes in and he approaches Rio with a martial arts book and he says to Rio that he should be reading that instead but comically, Rio says, nah, I'll read it later. And he starts backing out of his bedroom and he runs off. <laughs> so he clearly doesn't want to be reading it. And again, it's it's sort of alluding to Iwal being this, you know, strict, regimented yeah. figure in Rio's life. Like, he's, this, he's, he's quite the teacher and he's quite stern. And it shows that Rio's sort of now and again trying to break away from that, which is quite interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Rio's character a bit more. Because in the games, he's he seems like he's following his father, footsteps wise. He's, you know, all the teachings of his father's. You know, he's he's constantly thinking about martial arts. But in the anime, he's like that first episode we had where he's like, he still doesn't understand what his father was going on about that kind of stuff. And then this flashback, he's kind of ignoring his father again. Someone actually said, Matt, didn't they? which was an interesting theory, that that book, could that book have been the Wulin Shoe? That was one theory that was put around on stream, that it could be the Wulin Shoe, which, I mean, it's entirely possible that Awao could have a copy, because uh, he was obviously involved with Yuanda Zoo at some point, so it makes sense, it's a martial arts book, and Awao was studying martial arts. 
I know another common theme was it was like an extended move scroll. Sort of harked back like as a little nod to the move scrolls you get sort of dotted around the Hazuki Dojo and the ones that you can buy in, in the um, antique shop as well. Yeah. So either either theory could work. It'd be a bit. I like the Walinshi theory more. I think it'd be quite interesting that he had a copy in his house the entire time. Yeah, definitely. Just adds a bit more depth and lore when that appears at some point as well. Yeah, and Rio's reaction. I think Titch is you know, sort of spot on with that. That his his dad's a very strict teacher here and it's adding to that and rio's pushing against it a little bit um i think trying to be a young teenager i'm assuming at this point you know 12 13 he's sort of pushing against his father's authority a little bit and i mean that's natural for any teenager to go to go and do so just adds that that relationship that dynamic there to their relationship that Although I think Rio obviously has a deep-rooted respect for his father, they don't always necessarily see eye to eye. Mm. And I think this is like Rio's journey starting now, isn't it? It's like, because he is still mm. on the tail end of being a teenager, so he's still got that kind of attitude about him that we saw when he was like being a bit of a arrogant, with, you know, Ine-san and stuff mm. in that first Definitely, episode. So yeah. this is kind of a good narrative in a sense because he's going to get these teachings and turn into this man or whatever he's going to become but anyway from that we've got nozomi studying in her bedroom and she's thinking of rio not going to university looking at a photo of them together with friends that's that, that photo that actually i think it's in the bottom drawer of rio's room yeah that's What's right it called? Not, not like a desk but like a i suppose it is his desk and that that's that same photo which is cool to see with um, we haven't actually seen them in the anime yet but ito-san and ichiro along with nozomi and rio there so that's pretty cool to see and then she's actually interrupted by a phone call from a father in Canada. So that's, again, is that alluding to the, the Canada thing where maybe a father's saying that you're going to have to come to Canada now and then we're going to get this heartfelt scene in maybe next episode or the episode after. That's going to be interesting to see where they take that now because obviously we know yeah. from the games eventually she's going to go to Canada. So is this that moment where she's she's been told to return, do, do we think? I think so. I'd put money on it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> And then it, it kind of switches back to the Heartbeats bar. We've got Charlie and his henchmen talking about Ryu's non-existent connection to the Chens. So they're the questioning whether or not he is linked to the mm. Chens still. So that alludes to sort of a turf war currently existing between them. He then overhears a conversation between two stocky men. So as they're drinking there, you've got your, your Tony and Smith walking the bar, or the, the, they're at the bar anyway, ordering the drinks. And they mention Schoolboy, which triggers charlie thinking about rio so he offers them both a job to do we don't we don't actually know what the job is yet i don't think right no we no. don't no we don't at this point it's later on we find out where what's going on so we know we go back to the hazuki residence you've got ine san fukusan and yagamashi san are in the shrine paying their respects to a while uh, Yagamishi wonders of rio's whereabouts expresses his concerns to ine san and fukusan about rio's intentions and says that he needs the adults around him to steer him in the right direction before something bad happens to him. Uh, Fuku-san uh, believes that nobody had to stop Rio, and I think again this is intimating revenge here that Rio is starting to get in a bit too deep. And quite frankly, I don't think anyone's going to be able to stop him at this point. And yeah, Yagamishi's obviously worried about him. Also, I think partly because of his friendship to his father as well, he might feel a bit protective of Rio, but he's not going to be able to stop him at this point. And I think that's almost where triggers i think an acceptance within the hazuki dojo that, that rio's just going to go and do this and that's it yeah it's nice to see magishi san there again and you know that yeah giving him a bit more of a um a role in the anime aren't they 
yeah, it's a much much bigger role to play here. Um, so then it cuts to the U, U arcade. We actually get to see the inside of the arcade here, and I love these Easter eggs here. So you've got QTE title, you've got a site QTE, I believe, and then you also see sort of in the background, you see a um, you see the hang on cabinet. There's a Fantasy Zone poster, and you see a little clip of Virtual Fighter being played by a guy as well. Rio speaks to a couple of men at the arcade table who are the bikers from from the original game as well. They look exactly the same. No dialogue, but no, just still nice to see. Just talking to them. And he gets approached by Tony and Smith, the two, the two men who he beat up at, at Heartbeats, and they act all friendly, sort of apologising for bothering him that night. And he follows them out of the arcade. It's very similarly shot to where one of them grabs Rio outside the arcade. And says, "Oh, I'm really sorry. Right, I'll help you. I know yeah, Charlie. Like a trick. And Rio, Rio here asks, do you know Charlie?' And he says, "Oh yeah, Charlie's our mate. Follow us, sort of thing." And it, it cuts then to this building that's under construction. And well, you mentioned that it looked like the theatre or something. Yeah, didn't you? The like New Costco Theatre. It does. I'm, I'm pretty convinced it's the it's it's a theatre in Dubuita, which is under construction, which is on the maps in the games. It just it makes sense. That, it, that it's there because a car park fight in, in reality you see like eight people having a proper scrap in a car park i think the police are going to turn up so doing it in, in in a construction yard makes makes more sense in terms of that sort of covertness of it and things happening but they lead rio to this construction yard or the cinema that's under construction and they knock down these metal pipes into his path and start swinging bricks over it. They put a bin over his head, which had me in stitches. <laughs> Brilliant. And uh, Rio sort of retaliates, gets a bin off his head, takes a load of them out. Rio gets lunged out by Charlie with a knife and knocks the letter out of his possession. He gets restrained by the henchmen, which will pisses off Rio. And he starts then, he, he launches one of them out of the way, like in that whirlwind movement that he does, and then like punches and kicks are flying all over the place. He then proceeds to beat them up. At this point, Tony Smith leg it past Yagamishi, saying he's no ordinary schoolboy. He knows karate moves they've never seen before. And um, Yagamishi obviously takes sort of an interest in this and decides to wander up that way. So Yagamishi's obviously overheard these guys. So he gets takes an interest and wanders over to the unfinished building uh, where he sees Charlie with a knife and Rio standing in, in fighting stance to, ready to, to defend himself. He takes Charlie out with, with a kick straight to the face and Charlie, beaten and bruised, asks Rio if he's one of Chen's men. And Rio confirms that he doesn't even know who, who Chen is. He gets his letter back. It sort of just floats down casually into his hand, which I, I quite like, after like the massacre that he's just, just given everybody. Uh, and Charlie sort of wondered why he's so obsessed with it. Rio confirms it, the meaning behind the letter about being the key to his, uh, discovering his father's past, touching his plaster, which again is a theme from the first game. And his Charlie's ears sort of perk up a little bit when he mentions Landy. And then you get the Shenmue theme music from, from the games again playing. And he continues how he's going to prove his father's not a killer and ultimately confirmed to a Yag- overhearing Yagamishi stand about his attentions to seek the truth around his father's death and potentially vengeance. It's a great use of the theme, actually, now, isn't it? Yeah, they use but, it at like, you know. key moments, don't they? They whack out the Shenmue theme. I mean, it, it makes your, your hairs on your neck stand up, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, it gave me goosebumps when it was happening. And then if they've kind of like tailored the songs a little bit, you know, remixed them, haven't they? It sounded like it was going to be the theme. Yeah, as though they, they just used the, the original file or 
but then it, it, it ended up going taking a, a different character to the mm. theme that I really enjoyed. I did. Um, again, another reason why they've got to put this out on a soundtrack. I think they'd be mad not to. I think they will, quite yeah. honestly. And then Charlie tells Rio, while starts to leave about Landy and how that he's actually very dangerous in there, well, one of the most dangerous people to be working with and to be careful. And Chai's in the shadows again, overhearing this whole conversation. So Chai's sort of getting a picture of what's going on now. He's sort of joining the dots. He's there in the background, obviously waiting for his moment to strike. Mm. Awesome. So again, we're back at Sakuragalka Park and Rio finds Yamagishi-san sat, sat back on that bench with a drink this time. And he tells Rio that he's he's having a drink with his father. So he's sort of having... You know, a... Sake, wasn't it? A game, I think. Yeah, so it's quite an emotional moment. Mm. You know, he's obviously we know that it wells past, and yeah, it's quite deep, quite nice. So Yamagishi San tells Rio that he used to spar with the well, and often shared a drink with him. So there's obviously meaning behind him sitting there with this drink. And he also pointed out that Iwao used to actually ask Yamagishi San for martial arts advice. So again, get a bit more information behind the relationship between mm-hmm. Yamagishi-san and Iwao. So it seems he plays quite an important role to the story. So Yamagishi-san tells Ryo that fathers tend to withhold sides of themselves from the sons. And it would be better for Ryo to just move on and accept that point and just, you know, sort of not delve into the past that he doesn't know about. And he also tells Ryo that the pottery store owner in Dubuita Street will be able to read the letter as she can read Chinese old and new. So she probably will be able to tell why the characters in the letter are unusual, which is uh, that's what Wang mentioned earlier on in the episode, that the characters were unusual and he couldn't read them. So whilst Ryo starts to leave the park, Yamakishi-san stops him and <laughs> he wants to impart some more martial arts knowledge onto him. So Ryo gladly accepts this and he learns a new move, which, is it double blow? Is that? Yeah, yes. double blow, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, double it's, blow. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because... He's saying that it's like better for Rio to just to move on, forget about what's happened, you know. And then at the same time, he's teaching him a move to better himself, and then giving him that lead for the the Chinese letter. Because I remember thinking when this was happening, like, does Yamagishi San actually know about the the situation? You know, I I know he has a little bit of lore in the games about the mirrors. He knows a little bit about the mirrors, for example. But does he know to the great extent of what we do find out about them? And the fact that like Landy's got one of them is quite a big deal, really. So for your Majesty's hand to turn around and say like, just move on, forget about it, is he not particularly worried about what might happen? I don't know. Or do he mustn't know, right? I, I I think he knows little bits and pieces, but I don't think he knows enough to sort of join the dots, if you know what I mean. I mean, we don't know what a while's told him. We might get more in future episodes in terms of what a while has been told has told Yagamishi. Yeah. But... Isn't it weird we're coming up with like these questions and stuff? Obviously we we played the games, we played Shemu One, played Shemu Two, but the anime is introducing these new sides and these new th- concepts and and stuff that it's it's making more questions. Yeah. You know, tailored tailored towards the anime, which is a great yeah, it's thing. Great. Yeah. It's great for us. I think it breathes life for us as, as old fans into it into this franchise, which I think it's, it's seen over on, on social media, etc., where you um, you have a lot of old fans coming back because of this. But that's a separate point. Mm. 
So the episode ends with Shenhua again reciting the prophecy. So we're hearing it a fourth time so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, this time she's reading it from a cliff top at sunset. So I think it's like a hawk or an eagle flying around. Yes. Again, yeah, yeah. alluding to sort of Shenhua's connection with nature. And then it cuts to a shot of what we know as the Chens in the shadows of a warehouse. So that's sort of implying that hopefully in the next episode we finally get introduced to them because we mentioned a lot in this one but we don't actually we haven't actually seen them or you know we don't know who they are as of yet and that is the end of the episode and then we get the end credits which we've got a new song which i haven't heard before and we've also got some new images in the background of the credits depicting a bit more of nozomi and rio's friendship and an interesting point to note is there was a picture of nozomi and rio with the kitten yay <laughs> which we haven't seen in the anime so far. Which is... Retcon Megumi, but... Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's so sad. I'm really sad about that. I hope I do hope they find a way to shoehorn the kitten in somewhere, hopefully in the next episode. How do you feel about, like you, you, you're saying there, they've, they've done the prophecy four times, so is this just to, I don't know, like keep the, the new people to the series sort of like keep asking what are they going on about what they're going on about what they're going on about kind of thing you know they're really like you say they're really really ingraining it into people's heads aren't they in the anime yeah it's really unusual it's making me question you know what, what what's the purpose of it what's you know the real meaning behind it even as like a long time fan it's like what are they trying to get across with this mm. i mean obviously the the prophecies ends up coming true to a certain extent doesn't it and the, you know the words of Shenfar meeting Rio and stuff, so that's a given that the, the prophecy does have quite a, a role to play in the in the saga. But just the fact that they've done it four times in two episodes is pretty, you know, they're, they're really really harking at it, aren't they? Which is, I, I suppose, is a good thing. It makes these newcomers familiar with it, and um, it just gives it, you know, that overarching presence throughout. I suppose. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'd agree. And I think it's, again, it's just coming back to the point of the whole story, isn't it? It is the prophecy is the story driver. Um, yeah. I do wonder, and this is me thinking whether it'll get it wear a little thin as, as if they keep doing it every episode. Like two times. An episode. Yeah. <laughs> You'd expect to hear it on the boat when Rio leaves, for example, you get it at the end of Shenmue one, but I would, mm. I would hope that, now that people should hopefully be familiar with the prophecy you might get it again with the mirrors when we get to that point but i'd hope they start moving away from the prophecy and then they start going into the things around it like the law of the mirrors the law yeah of the north star and the, the dragon and the phoenix being the guardians etc and all of that sort of stuff i hope they go into that more um, and and sort of park the prophecy a little bit and then come back to it yeah all right guys well i think we've done episode two some justice there and we're going to take a quick music break before we move into the next episode preview song i picked out today is a predestined encounter
Welcome back. That was a predestined encounter from Shemu Wan's OST. That was the theme of Master Chen and the Warehouse. So obviously that's going to allude to what we're going to see next episode. Matt, so what did we actually see in that preview? So we got a very short, probably wasn't even 30 seconds actually, when you include the, the ending bit of Rio and Guizang having their fight in um, in the streets. So this is at the point mm-hmm. where obviously Rio has met Master Chen and Guizang turns up and Rio's like, what are you doing here? And he has a bit of a, have they have a bit of a scrap in the street and then it ends with Guizang holding a move, I think a pointed hand move to Rio's head and then he goes, you really don't sort of understand how deep you are in this and you don't understand your role um, which is very similar to the games. So it's obviously alluding to, I think we're now in the point where Rio's probably searching for the Phoenix Mirror and probably yeah. sort of encouraging Rio to hurry up. So I think next episode we're obviously going to meet the Chens. I reckon we'll probably find the Mirror we might, I reckon, see Chai have another go at trying stealing it because now the mirror is obviously in Rio's possession at this point, assuming they go there. And I do wonder if we'll get Nozomi telling Rio she's going to Canada. Ooh, do you think that could be a bit soon? I don't know. I feel like we've, we're going to have at least the, I think they said mentioned about the pottery shop. So we're going to yes. see the Russia China shop as well. That's She's, she's obviously going to translate the letter. And then we have seen in the trailer that pink telephone, so mm-hmm. that's probably what he's going to use, yeah. phone the warehouse before we actually get there. So I don't know, is that quite a lot to fit in to then have? I suppose they, they do kind of want to not shoehorn, but get Nozomi in these episodes while they can, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, the pace it's moving at, it wouldn't surprise me, put it that way, that they, they yeah. put it in, because then it sort of sets up her going and then the, the things that's come with the mad angels etc and obviously rio leaving in the amulet so it wouldn't surprise me if they shoehorned it hit what's well, say shoehorned put it in here because it's it's mm. to keep that pace up because the story is moving at a hell of a pace like it is moving yeah. fast there's petra the amulet actually in the end credits weren't there which is yes there was it was nice to see yeah good stuff are you excited for the next episode titch oh totally yeah <laughs> yeah i can't wait i, I love guizong i something about him the mysteriousness the sort of coldness he's one of my favorite characters so yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing what they've done with him for the anime it's it's funny really because if they are going to round up ikoska in the next few episodes you know seems that that's kind of how fast it's going we are only going to get an episode or two of guizang then aren't we really so these these big characters are not getting much screen time because of the pacing at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think they're having to. If they're covering Shenmue 1 and most of Shenmue 2, I think you are going to lose a little bit of these characters. I think it's a necessary evil to move the story on as quickly as they are, but they are focusing on the sort of story-heavy content, which I think, again, it's, it's necessary to move things on, remove some of the game fluff and, and sort of try and catch people, almost catch them with the pace, that it keeps moving, it keeps moving, it keeps moving, and you keep wanting more. I think that's what they're going for. Mm. Good stuff, guys. So before we let Titch go, so she can be up for work tomorrow morning, nice and early, <laughs> nice perky, not too too tired, we're just going to do Jim's Poetry Corner again. Hope you enjoyed the last poem from last week. Hopefully try and get one of these in every week. So, guys, again, in case any new listeners are out there, basically for this particular game, you just got to identify who's written this poem. See if you can get it just from the title. So I've titled it as He's Like a Brother to Me. You got any guesses? Fukusan. Yeah, mm. <laughs> straight away. 
Okay, interesting. Let's go then. I thought we were bros, but I guess that's just how it goes. You always know how to keep me on my toes. It's Ryo Hazuki from Sukahai at the harbour. I was only saying hi. I fell in love with your friend named Mai. We got married. Oh, my, my. Please, don't say that name so loud. My run-ins with the Mad Angels, I'm not that proud. You see, I used to be a bit of a thug. If someone came near, they'd be in for a mug. You straightened me out and put me on the right path. From weekly showers, I now take daily baths. Always up for a laugh, but still hopeless at math. With my, my future no longer seems bleak. But I can still tell you the best spot to take a leak. I got you a job for the best part of a week. Ryo Hazuki, my friend. That geek. <laughs> I like that. There you go. Not who I thought he was at the beginning with, but that's Goro all day, our friend Goro. Yeah, it has to be Goro. Yeah, I like how uh, we we both immediately thought it was Fuchs on and then you know you, you mm. tricked us. Yeah, very clever. I was going for the yo bro. Yeah, yeah, so oh, go. Mm. Brilliant. Quality. So Titch is gonna leave us now. Be sure to check out Titch over on YouTube. I'm gonna say this every week, just might as well give you a plug Titch. Oh, and um this coming week, dojo stream. Yes. Titch stream. That's the plan. Beautiful. Yeah, it'll okay. be a dojo stream this week. Every this week, week though, by the time you hear this, it was yesterday, I think, right? Matt? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So check out the VOD anyway. Um she did a, a third episode playthrough of Shemu 3, which is nice to see. But yeah, check out Titch Life over on YouTube anyways. And thanks again for joining us. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's great to be on. No problem. Take care. Right. Time. <laughs> thank you. See you later. Bye. Okie dokie, Matt. So let's continue with the show. We've got a very short news section here now. We do, yes. Do you want to jump into this, Matt? But we had a little bit of an email update from Big Wax regarding shipping for particular Shemu 3 related product we did indeed so for those of us who ordered the 11 lp set from big wax this is also available on limited run games for those of you who remember back over a year ago now you might remember that big wax actually came out and said the original run of these was not up to scratch so they had to basically destroy them and get a new load made so they've done that and actually at the moment we have a shipping update that's asking people to confirm their addresses because they look like they're going to be shipping out within the next few weeks. So keep an eye on your inboxes. Um, it's been a year coming or over now, but I'm really looking forward to getting one of the, uh, getting these through. And uh, I can guarantee you an unboxing will be done. Um, I think James and I have got the signed Yuzuki version as well. So there should be some signed merch in there. So yeah, Big Wax are looking to ship those shortly. I'd imagine limited run games will follow shortly behind them. Just see how we go. Yeah, definitely, man. That's something I'm personally excited about. I'm glad that we actually ordered this from Big Wax, to be honest, just so I've got something coming. Um, we're not still waiting for the limited run stuff, which can't be too far behind, but it'd be nice to, um, to get this soundtrack. So next up, Matt. This is, again, your side of things here. The Dojo Interview series is returning. So by the time you've, you're listening to this particular episode recap podcast, um, if it's Friday or whenever you're listening to this, Matt will have already released one of these too, right? So if you want to tell us a little bit about who you've been interviewing and what listeners can expect. Yep, absolutely. So the, the, the one that I would release by the time you get to this is I uh, had an interview with Joe Daniels, who is the voice of Dol Neo in Shemu the anime so he hasn't appeared just yet 
but um, he he was kind enough to come on the show. Um, I recorded the episode probably about a week ago now. Joe's a good good laugh. Um, really, yeah, he knows his anime. He's been around a lot of anime, and he, we talked about the role of Del Neo, who he auditioned for as well some of the recording that he did. And I'm actually hoping to get him back, watch Dolnia, who's been on in, in the anime, to talk about some of the scenes that he's put in. He did describe that he did a lot of screaming and shouting in this. <laughs> so I, I, that sort of fills me with confidence that we're going to get a very faithful recreation of Dolnia. So absolutely check that out. Um, it's all available on, the, on your podcast providers. And there's a YouTube video out there as, as an accompaniment for those of you who want to catch it on there. The other one that I did, and I recently released a teaser for it this weekend, just gone, I did uh, with Natalie Rial, who is the voice of Shenhua. And again, we, we talked about the recording. Uh, we talked about her character. We talked about her anime work. And we actually talked a little bit about the prophecy and, and how that sort of happened in terms of the New York Comic Con. I won't spoil it here. You can you can listen to the interview when I release that for the, for, for the sort of talk around the prophecy and the, the funny story around that. And we also touch on how actually nervous Natalie was about how Shenhua would be received by by the Shenmue community. She she was desperate to do do the character justice. And I mean, on the episodes that we've seen, two of them so far, I would suggest that she has. And again, I'm hoping to get her back to talk about some of Shenhua's scenes as as we go on. So keep an eye out for those. I'm also looking to get a couple more people on as we go. So you're going to get weekly content from us and the podcast. And then interspersed into that, you're going to get interviews from me as well. So it's very busy times here at the dojo. Very, but, very busy. Um, yeah. Well worth it. Yeah, definitely. And I will say, actually, that both Joe and... I've, I've already heard these interviews, by the way, but both Joe and Natalie, fantastic. And I just think it, it, the quality is showing the whole ap- uh, anime thing, both the Japanese dub and the English dub. It's really, really great stuff. I know Shenmue's English dub's always had a bit of a, uh, a jokey kind of thing about it. People have always said, you know, it's bad, arguably bad dub. But from what we've heard so far, the English is spot on. You know, yeah, it's definitely. really, really good stuff. Um, so, yeah, I don't think Natalie has got any more nerves. No, no. Well, doesn't need to have any more nerves anyway, really, from what we've heard. No, I think, yeah, and I said this to her on, on, on the interview, uh, that actually I think she did an excellent job of Shenhua and um, she'd mm-hmm. love to come back for season two if it happens. Yeah, as would we like her to come back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving on, Matt, just talk a little bit about the blog posts that have been popping up over on Shamu Dojo as well. Yeah, so you would have noticed over the last week, and by the time this airs, there'll be some more up there. Um, Splash Breeze will be continuing his sort of recap of the episodes with some sort of small comparisons to the games, etc. Good reads, long reads, very well put together. Um, make sure you get yourself a cup of tea or, or whatever your tipple is and, and sit and have a read of those. They normally release on a Monday, a sort of mm-hmm. Monday afternoon, Monday evening, UK time. So check those out. And then around Wednesday, Thursday, Hiki will be releasing a deep dive of the episode in terms of talking about the Easter eggs, some of the lore, and much more in sort of in-depth comparison to the games. So we've got two weekly blog posts coming out at the moment. So the, the, the content really isn't stopping. It's rolling on and on and on. I think people will be fed up with us by the end of it. I'm sure we've got summer every single day, aren't we? I would yeah. say for the next 13 weeks or whatever. Yeah, it, it, I think it averages out. I think in a, in a seven-day week, we've got content four or five days a week. It's crazy. Which, for Shemu fans, if you're lapping that up, guys, we've got such an amazing time now being a Shemu fan. It's just, I, I can't believe 
this is a weekly thing. I can't believe that this is something that's happening in 2022. It just blows my mind. Yeah, it's mental. In terms of blog posts, I'm sure Stuart's got his his episode two thing yeah. coming out on Shemusings. Um, I think I was saying Shemusings.com last week, but it's not a .com. It's a, is it a WordPress or something like that? It I think is it's Shemusings.wordpress.com. Com, possibly we'll put it in the we'll put it in the description but we'll put it in the show notes anyway so you can get straight to it and i'm pretty sure again phantom Rutherstone, switch over there he's doing a lot of material himself on the anime a lot of comparison stuff so this is where if you want to see what we mentioned a little bit earlier where they're sort of they're going out of the way to recreate some of these fateful yokosuka environments interiors exteriors you know i mentioned the martial arts tournament thing we've got an in- interior shot here that switch has found nigh on perfect you know what i mean it's, yeah it's they've crazy. recreated these in animation it's it is crazy the attention to detail so check that out as well so that wraps up the news for this week and i just wanted to add a little bit on to the end of these shows moving forward as well i think we will because with it being weekly we're not going to have a great deal of news to cover so i thought it might be quite nice to incorporate the forums a little bit so over on the shemu dojo forums people are already chatting about previous episodes spoilers in the, the the recent thread for this particular episode so if you want to engage with other like-minded fans talk about the episodes discuss them really pick them apart shemu dojo is a great place to be and i picked out 10 comments that i noticed from episode one so might be giving you a shout out here if you listen to the show as well so first up we'll do these on two and throw away map yeah no worries i'll start with number one so spaghetti over on the forums, he left a post that just said, that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that sums it up nicely. Kodai Name, who I know listens to the show, he's lis- listened to my interviews and stuff as well, so thank you for, for, for listening to us. Uh, just finished first <laughs> Name. Ep- yeah, I love it. Uh, just finished the first episode, overall enjoyed it. Recognising the pace felt very different from the game for obvious reasons, and I think it was smart to narratively connect Shenhua and Rio right at the start jumping between Bailu and events in the first game, and I completely agree with that. Some of the backgrounds and key art are excellent, along with the settings from the first game. Fight scenes felt very visceral and felt impactful. Lots to discuss and digest, but off to a good start. Nice comment there from Could I Name. Thanks for listening to the show as well. That's, that's awesome to hear. Savan, next. They said, I was very hopeful for this, but that was even a lot better than I expected. This has been one of the most fateful video game adaptations I've seen so far. This is off to a fantastic start. And he, he put fantastic in capitals there to emphasise that point. He did. And then sort of building on from that, the Phoenix Mirror, they said it was a good starter for the series. I'd give it a 7.5 or 8 out of 10. I can't wait to see next week's episode. Nice comment there. Next up, we've got one from Kenzo38130, who says, I loved it. Pacing is different, of course. It's not a video game, so it's okay for me. So far, I almost prefer this version of Rio's character. It's an interesting take. It is, and I think, I think that's echoed, actually, a lot across the community. A lot of people have said they like the, the, the new spin on Rio's character, me included, actually. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with that as well, actually. He's got more personality about him, anti in the anime. He does. A bit more about him there. So moving on, uh, we have Alexi, uh, who says, this is the best anime I've ever seen. I can't describe by words what I'm feeling now. I'm just so happy, and I hope Shemu will get what it deserves. That was amazing. Yeah, I can't say much more to that one. 
No, spot on. And then we've got a comment from Dark Side Hazuki. Well, that was fucking amazing. He says, <laughs> "My only complaint is uh, my only complaint I have is that it was too short." Fair. Which I mean, yeah, it's a good complaint to have, isn't it? Really, that, that it's it's too short just shows you how much you're actually enjoying it. Same yeah. same with episode two for me. I was just it just flew by. I, like I couldn't believe that was twenty three minutes. It's felt like ten maybe. Flies by does an episode just disappear but they're good and if they're disappearing because you're enjoying it you're on to a winner aren't you exactly so landy sama says loved it i hope it's a big enough hook for newcomers uh the changes and additions they have made all made sense to me from a storytelling perspective and the rest was pure fan service and it's attention to the details from the games it's kind of mind-blowing that this ill-fated niche game from 1999 whose story still hasn't been told by at least half is now a television anime series and a solidly produced one at that. And how about those end credits? <laughs> yeah. It's a good point, isn't it? Niche mm. game from 1999. <laughs> Unfinished. Like, yeah, yeah, a 20-year-old game hasn't been finished and it's got an anime series. It's crazy, isn't it? Again, it's that same point I was making that it's just insane. This is happening yeah. right now. It's insane to be a fan right now. Next up, we've got a comment from ColorsConic91 who says, Great. The first episode was extremely fast-paced, as I expected it to be. Music was great, and I already can't wait for the OST. I haven't watched the dub yet, Crunchy just has sub. I'm surprised that others think it's moving too fast. If you watched Shenmue the movie, I feel you should more or less know how a Shenmue 1 adaptation of this form might go. I fully expect Shenmue 1 to be maybe 5 episodes, while 2 is the remainder. Pacing and direction actually reminds me of the Persona 4 anime. Expanding some things while streamlining the fluff. I'm actually more excited to see what they do with season two when they get around to it. That is a chance to expand on so much more and fix little issues with characters and stories that were present in that game. I could refer to Shemmy 3 there. Mm. I do think that his curiosity about his father's past should have been something to come about right before his trip to Hong Kong, maybe after pondering on some of the things he's going to deal with. But other than that, I love what it's doing. Shemmy 1 doesn't have a lot of story in the game, so I'm actually enjoying the changes. I think there's a fair comments actually. I mean, Shenmue One is criticised a little bit for its pacing, so I think it. Yeah, I, I can see where that where those points are coming from. And um, again, it's very positive, and the, the fact that these changes are being well received by the community just adds further strength that this anime medium is a good way to tell the story. Mm-hmm. So, last one is from Lord Tentai. Uh, he says, from a far eastern land, dot, dot, dot. This is amazing. As someone who's been a fan since the Dreamcast days, I hope all, you all new to the series will enjoy this tale. And once you're done experiencing this tale, seek one of us out, even if it's me, and we will direct you on how to experience this series on your current gen systems, as well as bring you to the communities that have been around for well over 20 years. Welcome to the fandom. The anime is top-notch thus far. Handled with care and passion, aimed to honour the base uh, the base source material while enhancing the base source material as well. You guys are in for a roller coaster of a ride, and that point actually around the new fans and new people to the community. I think that's that's an extremely poignant one, and that we are hoping to get new fans from this. We're hoping to get new people into the game. So you know, if you are listening to this podcast, you're new to the series, check us, check the dojo out, check the communities out on Twitter, etc. Check out our forums. Um, we're one of the most welcoming communities on the internet, quite frankly. So come on, come all. We, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this anime. And if you picked up the games as well, yeah, let us know what you thought of them. Uh, but for anybody who's new, listened to this or found the community, welcome. Yeah, you're definitely in for a hell of a ride. 100% agree with that. 
And I think that is a nice way to round off this episode today, guys. So thanks for joining us again. Thanks, Matt, for all your analysis and input. And thanks again to Titch as well. We're going to be back again to recap episode three when that airs this coming Sunday, whenever you're listening to this podcast. So so look out for that. And we're going to have a, a nice comments section. I think we might make this a re- reoccurring yeah. sort of thing we'll, we'll, we'll use at the end of the episode. So do head over to the forums there. Leave your thoughts and opinions on the most recent episode. So if you're leaving comments on episode two, we'll try and pick out some nice ones for when we recap episode three. It's nice to look back on people's ongoing thoughts and, uh, yeah, give you a bit of a shout-out as well because we appreciate all the input that you do over on the forums there. So to round off the episode, what I thought might be nice to do is now that we've got it, the ending theme from the anime. This is called Sympathy by Naru Dora, and, uh, yeah, it's the ending theme to the anime. So thanks again for listening, guys, and we'll see you on the next episode. Guys, and take care. Look at the time.